the first thing you know i want to get into is uh your management company man um wolf sports management like talk about the genesis of that uh that project yeah so just to give a brief synopsis or background on how i got started with this i mean i went to uh brooklyn law school uh after graduating from college and i've always been interested in combat sports and uh, in fact in the summer of 2007 i summered at a, a firm in las vegas where one of the partners was on the nevada state athletic commission so i got my first exposure into the mma industry vis-a-vis him and uh it's something that i was always interested in and i always uh paid attention to the legal and regulatory aspects of mma and um a few years ago, when uh, Marcus was starting to Marcus Cern uh, was starting to uh, come into his own with his own career, uh, he got to a point where he asked me to help him uh, with uh, getting fights and uh, just being his manager, and uh, started helping him. And he was my only guy for a few years, and uh, eventually, people uh, saw what I was doing with him, got him fights at Bellator, got him sponsorships, and. I trained at Hendo Gracie, and eventually, uh, actually, it was uh, Naaman, Naaman Gracie. Uh, he put me in contact with uh, Tiago, Tiago Hela, and that's how I ended up uh, helping him out with uh, managing him. And uh, along with that, uh, Hobson uh, Gracie put me in touch with uh, Talita Noguera and um, uh, Aurelio Pimenta, who was uh, her, her translator and uh, my partner with uh, Talita. And so uh, it was really over the course of this year where things started to take off. And uh, after uh, the Bellator event uh, this past a couple of weeks ago, I uh, signed a bunch of new guys uh, that were in Felipe's camp and uh, hopefully have a few more uh, to announce that in the next uh, few days, actually. Marcus, you know, he's your first guy, first yes. client. How did you meet him? Were you, did you meet him on the mats? Did you were you training with him? Is that how you got connected? Yeah, so that's that's actually a really good um, good question. Funny story to that because uh, so I wrestled in high school back in like like I graduated in two thousand one and in uh, in Scarsdale and uh, he wrestled in the same uh, section as me. So uh, he wrestled for East Ramapo. He was a multiple time section champ, and I remembered who he was and. Uh, it was through a mutual friend, uh, one of his coworkers. Uh, he works uh, at a, you know, financial institution in the city. Uh, introduced us, and we got together over dinner once, and we were kind of chatting. And then I was putting the dots, to get, connecting the dots, and I was like, "Wait a minute, are you the Marcus Cern, Section One Marcus Cern?" And that's when uh, it just kind of hit, and uh, uh, the rest is history. We just went off to nerding out on Section One. I still feel bad for our our friend. We totally <laughs> neglected her in that conversation because we were just totally catching up on all things wrestling and MMA and uh, I mean he's uh, I mean more than just being his man he's one of my he's one of my brothers and I could say that really I'm looking forward to saying that for all of my fighters I want to be able to treat them like family and, and so forth now picking it up you know the last year signing all these guys why wolf sports where does that name come from Ah, so um, have you ever seen uh, Pulp Fiction? Yes, of course. Yeah, so if you, you remember um, the character um, played by uh, Harvey Keitel, uh, the wolf. And, uh, <laughs> that's exactly where I uh, got my inspiration from because that character is just 
down to business. He's uh, he knows how to prioritize. He's a tactician. He like he introduces himself as I'm I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems, and that's really a, a lot of how he functions in that movie is really how I vision a good manager uh, functioning as well. They see a problem, they take care of it. They're uh, they're quick, they're decisive, and uh, they're able to solve any problems uh, as they uh, see fit. And uh, my first experience with something similar to that wasn't obviously <laughs> hiding, uh, hiding a dead body, of course, but um, uh, for one of Marcus's fights last year, uh, we're about to check in uh, at the venue, and he's fighting in like an hour, hour and a half, and he looks at me like, boss, I forgot my cup. He's like, what? <laughs> and, I mean, he needs his cup to fight, obviously, and so I had to look up, like, the nearest sporting goods store. It was, like, an hour away, and just like in the movie, I just zoomed over. I got there in, like, half an hour and got back with, like, a bunch of different cups, different cup sizes, grabbed them, zoomed back, and like, here, here are your cups, in, like, half an hour, uh, split-second time, and so, like, after that, it reminded me of uh, like of the wolf getting to and from where he needs to be in like a short amount of time, and just uh, that's a lot of how the problems you encounter like they come up, but you just got to be able to solve them, uh, and oftentimes in uh, on short notice. And I'm actually in the middle of dealing with something right now in terms of getting um, uh, the blood work for a fighter that's fighting on the Israel card. Um, uh, this week, just making sure that's handled uh, in a timely fashion. A lot of fighters, you know, they don't have managers. They kind of handle everything on their own. And, and some of them do have managers and they don't know how to handle things for the fighter, it seems like. Because like you yeah. just mentioned, blood work, visas, these all these things can become huge problems for a fighter that fights internationally. For yourself, you know what I mean? Like, do you see that happening a lot in the industry, like managers that don't know how to handle things, but they're managers in the industry? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen uh, plenty of times, uh, even at the highest levels. You see it happen uh, uh, even in the UFC. Sometimes there are visa issues. And a lot of times it's not even the managers themselves or the fighters. It's just the bureaucracy and paperwork that surrounds the whole visa process that can just gum things up and just uh, take forever to uh, move forward. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure, like, even that it's a complex issue, uh, it's even difficult for me to navigate sometimes that um, there, there are fight, uh, managers that just aren't as uh, familiar with it. But I think uh, for the most part, all the top guys uh, are able to handle that pretty, uh, uh, pretty well and efficiently. I saw a post by another manager i think he is part of one of the major management companies out in europe and he was talking about how important it is to have a manager but the right manager like there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to be managers now how did you get over that hump you know there's that in between you know like there's the guys that are you know you've you've had your uh i guess your time as uh, a small time manager, right? And trying to get fighters to join you and, you know, and uh, trust you and rely on you. And now you're kind of over that hump and you got a bunch of guys under your yeah. umbrella. How do you get over that hump? How do you do, how did you get guys to kind of trust you to sign on? I think it's just, uh, it's largely through uh, word of mouth and just uh, seeing me in action. It, uh, uh, like when, 
you manage someone, uh, the way I look at it, you're not just managing the fighter, you're also managing their their entire camps and families. You, you I, I want to make sure that uh, the family's okay, that their coaches are all on the same page with each other and make sure uh, everyone is operating together in, as one cohesive unit. And um, uh, as I mentioned before, like that's I think that's how um, uh, Naaman and Hobson saw me uh, function with Marcus and uh, they saw enough of it to think highly enough of me to recommend me to Tiago and Talitha. And that's snowballed since. Uh, and the way I managed to get all these new guys um, recently was um, was working with um, Talitha's camp uh, this past fight um, for Bellator. Uh, I had a, a very good uh, rapport with the entire team. And uh, her head coach, um, Yokohama Mura, out of uh, Point of Impact MMA, uh, we got along very well. We worked in sync very well together. And um, not long after uh, her fight, he uh, spoke to me about helping some more of his guys. And so uh, it's, it's just about seeing me in action and letting my reputation both grow and uh, speak for itself. With the fighters that you have, I think in management, it's not about wins and losses because that's kind of on the fighter, right? Your side is to kind of before the fight and after the fight. But all of that stuff kind of meshes together, you know, the wins and losses and the management side. You know, like when recently a lot of your fighters have come off on the wrong side of a fight. What do you do? Like, how do you kind of, do you go there and do you comfort them? Do you do you kind of give them their space? Like, how do you handle all of that? Yeah, it's like a touch and feel type of thing. Uh, it's... um yeah, it was, it was, you're right. And um, the way I would look at it is that as a manager, you're kind of like a professional handler. And uh, like I, 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 I have a good sixth sense, I like to say, about dealing with people. And it's, it's, it's easy to be a manager or coming up a win, right? Like everyone's happy, everyone's celebrating uh, and no, no problem. But it's in times like this where it's, uh, I think, what differentiates uh a good manager from perhaps a subpar one. And it's just about just knowing your fighters, uh, being there for them, talk, talking to them and just knowing how to speak to them and having an understanding of uh, where you need to come from and how you approach them. And these guys are honestly the, the professional athletes and like they're, they're, they're tough as nails. And I didn't really need to do much uh, for them. Uh, like, like Marcus and Talitha, they had, they both had tough losses, but they've they've gone through tougher in their lives. To be honest with you, they've uh, they, they do this uh, every day, and uh, like of course they're disappointed, of course, of course they're frustrated, but they're as mentally tough as anyone I know. If, if anything, they they were more concerned for me sometimes, and like I can't feel bad about it if they themselves aren't feeling bad about it. And of course, I'm I'm still there to make sure that uh, they're okay, that the camps are okay, and uh, again, it's not just not just them, it's their spouses, it's their families, their coaches. I want to make sure that everyone's okay and just just thank them for what they did, keeping keeping them safe in and out of the cage and just keep them encouraged because uh, there's a lot to build off of. They are better fighters exiting the cage than when they came in and uh, it's, it's on to the next one. There's always another fight. Um, losses will come, but uh, so, so will the wins and uh, Ideally, uh, more more wins and losses, and uh, I believe in 
all my guys, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited for them. When when lose or draw, they uh, they have great things coming for them. Who are the the newest additions to your your team? Can you mm-hmm. talk about them a little bit, and and maybe have they got some fights lined up or anything like that? Yeah, so a um, bunch of new guys. Uh, first, there's uh, um, George Vizera. He's um, welter um, welterweight. Uh, he's got a very established record, twenty one and thirteen. He's uh, uh, fighting out of Brazil. I have um, uh, and these guys coming up are out of um, Point of Impact, uh, Talitha's camp. I have uh, uh, Tommy Ferguson. Um, uh, heavyweight, uh, Darren Smith, uh, lightweight, uh, Jared Connor, uh, featherweight, um, uh, Kali Benjamin, who's also lightweight, and uh, Jordan Frank, who's uh, middleweight. And uh, Jared, um, he has a fight in Bellator uh, coming up in uh, uh, in January at the Forum. So uh, I'll be out for them uh, for him after that card. And uh, ideally, if uh, spots open up, can get some of those other. Um, um, California guys uh, on that card as well. How do you handle getting new guys added to your team? You know, of course you have the connection with Talita, but you know, let's say a fighter reaches out from Russia, you know, or what? from France, you know, that's a big, big uh, distance, you know, between you and them. Do you, how, would you be open to managing guys from other countries, you know, or, or even, you know, out in Asia. Oh, of course, I, I absolutely would be. Uh, I'm certainly not in the business of saying uh, no, but I would. The, no matter where they are, the important thing for me is uh, even if they say like, "Oh, I want to sign with you. Can you manage me?" I prefer to talk to them first, give them an introduction on who I am, how I go about doing things. I'd like to get to know them a little bit, and I want them to be able to make an informed decision about me, not just kind of blindly sign on. Uh, as much as I appreciate the enthusiasm, I, I would prefer for them to know what they are uh, getting uh, out of me. And no matter where they are in the world, that's uh, that's something I look forward to, to working with. Uh, it's uh, Fighting is a, a universal language, and uh, any, any language barriers, uh, that's, that's not uh, something Google Translate or finding a translator uh, can't, uh, can't assist with. With interviews, you know, with fighters getting interviews, a lot of fighters, they don't want to do interviews. They don't want to talk to people. They just want to train and fight. You know, what is your protocol, so to say, on getting your fighters to do interviews? And how do you pick and choose who to do the interviews with? You know, um, you know, of course, I've interviewed a lot of you guys, but like, let's say another person reaches out. Do you kind of go and research them or do you just say, okay, just... Just do the interviews, you know, get practice in. You need the practice because when you become a bigger fighter, a bigger star, you're going to have to do media all day, every day, and you got to get used to that. Yeah. I mean, I would I would do research to some extent on whoever requests the interview just to make sure it's not like some random or like weird guy that doesn't even necessarily have their best interests at heart. Um, but in terms of like how I would advise them uh, – in the interview space. I think it, it's also about like timing, like uh, like if they have something coming up in like a week or two, that's when say I'd be like, reach out to you and like, hey, if uh, like, like Marcus or Talitha, they have a fight uh, coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, why don't you, uh, uh, I think it'd be a good time for them to have them. Uh, and, uh, like probably next month I'll have uh, uh, Jared um, um, 
on the beer. And for the people that don't want to, and I, I've experienced that, it, it's, it's the hashtag fighter. Sometimes uh, you, have, you have to deal with their personality sometimes. It's hard to rope them in sometimes. I, I don't try to force the issue, but I do try to recommend to them, like if I do believe it'll be a good chance for them to get exposure, a good chance, as you mentioned, to practice the interviewing skills and um, uh, being used to having a microphone or interviewer speaking to them because hey, it's a, it's a, it's a, they're professional athletes. It's a visible activity that they are doing and it's part of the job description. If you look at some sports, uh, all the mainstream sports, it's literally required like post, uh, post game interviews. And uh, a lot of times they get in trouble for not doing so, but I, I think it's something that uh, they should try to have fun with. It's a good way to uh, express themselves and let, the, their fans see a side of themselves that they wouldn't ordinarily uh, be able to present, and uh, I would like them to think that it's uh, like a cool activity for for them to do and to ultimately develop uh, their their brand. In Korea, right, the management and all this stuff is a huge mess right now. Like it's been a mess for so long, and there's lots of problems going on. And you, as a Korean, you know, and as a manager, would you be interested in signing? Korean fighters, up and coming prospects, you know, to kind of guide them a little bit better. And especially oh. a lot of them want to fight in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would, uh, I would love to. I mean, that's one of my uh, goals in the coming years to uh, get some uh, Asia based uh, fighters and specifically uh, Korean fighters. I would, that would be a huge uh, boon for me and to be able to help them and ideally Korean MMA. Uh, uh, at large, a, a lot of my, uh, uh, I know Hobson likes to call me like uh, the, the Asian Ali, uh, as in uh, Ali Abdulaziz, and you know that, that that's an honor for it to be mentioned in the same breath uh, as him. He's uh, one of the biggest uh, managers in the sport, probably the biggest manager uh, in the sport, and uh, to follow in those footsteps uh, uh, would be fantastic. Certainly, as it pertains to uh, giving more exposure to. Um, Korean fighters, because I think it's still largely a, an untapped market. I know you have Korean Zombie, Duo Choi, um, and some other up-and-comers, but to a large extent, uh, I think we're still waiting to see a lot of great fighters to come out of that. And, uh, it's an untapped market for fighters, and I know UFC is coming to Busan in December, and I think that'll be a great showcase for those fighters, and to the extent I can assist some of those local fighters in getting that uh, exposure, uh, I, I would love to. Because it seems like, I know you have a great, great relationship with Bellator, and Bellator is going to have a show at the end of, their first ever show in Asia at the end of December in Japan. And I've heard Coker talking about, yeah, we're going to start doing shows or in Asia, more shows in Asia, you know, and he mentioned Korea, and, and I think he mentioned uh, China also. Um, with that, you know, in the future, I think it's going to be huge for you with that great connection with Bellator to have some fighters ready in the chamber, you know, to get get those cards filled up, right? Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, I like that term, terminology that you use, just keep having them in the chamber because uh, my guys, for the most part, they're, they're always uh, in the chamber, ready, locked up, ready to go. And uh, yeah, that would be a fantastic opportunity for... Uh, any of my current guys, any of my any guys that I may sign in the future, it would be fantastic to provide them 
that showcase there. And uh, I, in addition, I have contacts with Bellator. I, you know, I've, I, I chat with people at a one championship. And um, I also uh, with Sean Shelby at the UFC. So uh, just across promotions, I, I always maintain chatter uh, with all of them. Bellator has been the one that I've been able to get my guys in the most at this point. But um, whether it's them or any of the other promotions, absolutely. That would be uh, a fantastic opportunity for them and, and for myself, quite frankly. Yeah, especially like you mentioned that you do, you know, you have that relationship with Bellator. You do have that uh, rapport with Sean Shelby and you got those uh, connections to one championship. Nowadays, fighters, it seems like that's the top three. Do you believe that? Do you do you feel that with fighters? Like those are the top three promotions that these guys want to get to? Yeah, I, I would say that's, uh, I mean, those are the, the big names that everyone knows uh, across, the, across the line. There are certainly other major promotions such as PFL yeah. and um, also um, like in North America, Combatch Americas is a mm -hmm. uh, up and coming uh, promotion that's um, um, growing as well. So, and, and that's great. I think uh, uh, as much as I want those, like the big three, if you will, to continue to grow, it, it would be fantastic for some of the more, some of the newer promotions to, mm -hmm continue to grow as well because ultimately that everyone wins in that in that regard it's more competition means more opportunities for fighters and uh that will grow the sport and that will uh increase purse sizes and ultimately draw more athletes to the sport and i think it's uh again it'll be great for everyone involved yeah combates americas they seem like they're not just signing uh Hispanic fighters or Spanish or Mexican fighters. It seems like they're also signing Asian fighters because you see uh, the Korean gangster, Park. Ah, I forgot his name off the top of my head, but Park, he's fighting over there, which is, a, it was a huge surprise to a lot of people. Like, how did he even get connected to them? Uh, do you see that happening more? Like, Combatus America signing, you know, fighters from Asia or, you know, from Europe or whatever? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they're, uh, they're, growing pretty quickly i mean they have a pretty big event coming up in uh like in december for example they have uh was it tito ortiz versus um <laughs> uh, what's his name the, the wrestler uh del rio or something like that yeah yeah alberto del rio mm -hmm. and yeah it's 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 a it's an interesting matchup mm -hmm. uh for it's something you'd see like in the old pride days and uh even like uh like like as you mentioned like non-hispanic based fighters like i in fact i just uh sent uh, them my updated roster uh, today and uh, it would be great to get uh, some of my guys uh, onto that show and get get that exposure for them and help them uh, put on a great show because uh, my guys are certain, certainly ready and uh, in, in the chamber as you mentioned before. The, the big three like we mentioned and then you got the, you know the next level upcoming promotions like PFL and uh, you know dealing you know it seems like PFL is mostly centered around the north america and uh europe and they do have a little you know international flavor from asia and stuff like that uh what do you see as the future for pfl do you uh do you have a growing relationship with them to kind of like pump some of your fighters into that league uh not as much with pfl or at least it's been a while since i've spoken to uh the pfl guys uh, as you know they're wsof previously uh and uh, i like 
I've spoken to Ray Seppel a long time ago, but I haven't reached out to them uh, at this point. I know they switched up their kind of business model to have that million dollar t- tournament, which obviously would be nice to get uh, my, my guys into that. But uh, I think that that is a unique thing that they have going on for them, uh, just to stick with that tournament format for the events. So that, I do make a recall that would probably that a long time ago. And I think that's always that the tournament structure will always be a unique aspect of the sport. Uh, and Bellator is doing it right now with, uh, for example, they just did it with uh, their, uh, their welterweights for the title. And so when you, when you have that kind of prize pool um, uh, in an organization, that's always going to draw people. And hopefully uh, it sticks and they are you know, in the black in terms of uh, you know, the, the revenue and everything. Because uh, if, if that grows, again, like if, if you want the best fighters, it's like uh, in Jeremy McGuire, you got you to gotta show him the money. Right? Like, you, no one's going to want to fight for uh, like, you know, $10,000 tournament when you see athletes in all the major sports getting paid uh, tens of millions of dollars. Even in boxing, I mean, you saw that um, like Canelo just got $30 million for, uh, for, his, for his previous fight. So I think, but what people forget though is also that MMA is. Uh, very very young sport, uh, and even in its the way it is in its modern format, it's it's even younger because you remember the original like UFCs that that wasn't MMA. It was definitely more of a spectacle than it was a true athletic endeavor. And uh, w- what it is now, you have major sponsors now, uh, you have all the m- major press coverage in ESPN, for example. And I think uh, like people were talking about how like the mid 2000s was like the golden age of uh was the golden age of mma and i get that it was definitely a fun time to be a fan just because you had these stack cards but um uh now you have mma on all the time again you have uh growing uh exposure and i think uh mma's best years are uh, yet to get to come and uh it's it uh it's exciting to be a part of that for sure stacked cards i think right now you get stacked cards. It's incredible the, the the type of cards that Ryzen can put on, and then one championship will put on these crazy title matches in one. You know, like four, three, four title matches in one uh, card, and then you got UFCs putting on pay per views where you got you know the top guys just going at it, and then you got Bellator with with them they also got the top guys in the world fighting for their for their divisions you know it's just it's spread out so much better now and yeah. uh, and then you got the million dollar tournament with PFL which is very attractive to any fighter like hey why not go in there and test yourself against the guys and maybe win a million dollars and even Bellator has the million dollars that they're giving yep. away for you yep. know Douglas Lima you know like i you know i feel that Douglas Lima is probably the you know like pound for pound one of the best fighters in the world and he doesn't get enough credit but hey when you got a million dollars and two belts i don't think you need that much credit you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and when people see people fighting for a million dollars they're gonna know and they're going to get that visibility and again it'll draw more attention to the fighters so that's great for them and it'll draw more attention to the sport itself which will be great for the promotions and yeah you're right uh you'll, you'll get all these uh, more stacked and stacked cards and i think that's been you've been seeing that more these days because you've been seeing a lot of 
uh, growth in some of these other promotions, such as Bellator uh, and, and One, uh, not just in UFC. And you know, for example, Bellator does. Uh, they had some great signings. They uh, they signed like Nick Newell, who's a great fighter, and it it took him. Uh, it, he should have been signed by major promotion a long time ago, in my opinion. And it's great that he has a great deal with Bellator now. And um, I don't know if you saw, but um, uh, the same Weatherford just. Uh, uh, signed with a, a manager who wants to jump into MMA. Uh, Eric Pico obviously is uh, one of the young prospects uh, at Bellator, and uh, uh, these promotions do a great job in developing their talent as well. It's like a lot of times you'll see some of the more local regional guys on the uh, prelims or like the lower end of the main card. Uh, like for example, that's why you see guys like Marcus, Tiago, Toledo out there, um, and um, and even like. In, like regionally, like uh, in Connecticut, Mike Kimball's another young stud uh, of a fighter. So it, it's exciting to see like those veterans that are in there, like holding down the fort in the main card, and seeing some of these young guns uh, uh, come up as well. All right, Michael. Well, if a fighter's watching this, you know he doesn't have a manager. Or if he's just he's thinking about you know making a switch to a high level manager like yourself. How would they get in contact with you? And maybe you know get at you directly and and get some you know get a conversation going. Yeah, at this point, I think they could uh, uh, just drop me a line directly. Uh, my I'm pretty active on my uh, Instagram MK four zero one nine. My Twitter is MK MMA, uh, and uh, certainly uh, happy to speak uh, or have a conversation with uh, anyone that might be interested in having me work with them. All right, Mike. Thank you so much, man, for the time. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to you, you know, spreading your wings and getting international with it, you know, and maybe coming out to one championship or to Ryzen or, you know, maybe, you know, do you have where, where do you plan on going the rest of the year? Are you going to stay in your home base or do you plan on going to any events before the end of the uh, year? I think if anything comes up, I, I might might travel. Um, I definitely uh, already in the books. Uh, I will be in. LA in January, so that's just a couple of months away for the Bellator event there. And 2020, it's going to be a great year uh, for Wolf Sports Management for uh, myself and especially for uh, all my fighters. Keep an eye out for them, and certainly I'll uh, looking forward to having them speak with you as well.